You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Michaela Shunick, known to everyone as Mickey, was a bright, funny and confident 21-year-old. She lived with her family in Lafayette and was studying anthropology at the University of Louisiana. She adored her family and friends, loved music, cycling and the outdoors. Alongside her studies, she taught horseback riding lessons to children in her local area. Everyone described her as a fun and vivacious young lady who threw herself into everything. On the evening of May 18th, 2012, Mickey and her friends had made plans to go and enjoy some live music and promised her mother that she would be home early. The next day was an important one for the Shunick family as younger brother Zach would be graduating high school and Mickey was not going to miss it for the world. Another special day was coming up a few days later. Mickey was turning 22 and her and her family had made plans to celebrate. Early morning, May 19th, 2012. As the family hurriedly prepared for Zach's graduation, Mickey's mother went to check that she was getting ready. However, she was met with an empty bedroom and alarm bells immediately started to ring. This was incredibly out of character and her mother knew straight away that something was wrong, especially on a day as special as this one. The Shunick family headed to the graduation without Mickey, expecting her to be there when they arrived home. But she wasn't. Her phone was going straight to voicemail and she wasn't replying to messages. The concern amongst her family began to grow rapidly. Mickey was a responsible young woman that kept to her plans, and this kind of behaviour just wasn't in her nature. Her family began to ring her friends that she had been out with. They quickly established that she had left with her best friend and fellow student, Bretley Wilson. He told the family that he and Mickey had been to a bar and then left to grab some food. She headed back to his house and stayed a short while before he claimed she left at around 1.40am on her bike. Panic began to grow as the family worried she may have been involved in a hit and run and could be lying injured somewhere. Nancy then phoned the police to report her daughter missing. Detective Stephen Bajar was in charge of the investigation and his team's first course of action was to interview Bretley. He was the last person to have seen Mickey on the night that she disappeared. Although nervous, he answered all of their questions and repeated the same story he had told Mickey's family. The police then started checking the CCTV cameras from the bar where Bretley claimed they had both been between the hours of 10 and midnight. They also checked the cameras from the Taco Bell he said they had ordered food from at the drive through It didn't take long for the police to find the footage that confirmed Bretley's account. The final piece of the puzzle was to track down the route she would have taken on her bike after she left its house at 1.40am and find the correlating footage, if there was any. The community was fast becoming involved and was doing anything it could to help support the family and find Mickey. Flyers and posters were handed out and searches were undertaken in the surrounding areas. They even held a vigil to pray for her and her distraught family. Friends and loved ones made public appeals and a reward of $25,000 was put up for anyone with information that could help find her. Some members of the community began to turn in home and business CCTV footage to the police in the hopes it might pick something up that could help the case. We have been reviewing hours and hours of video and, and, and part of the biggest issue is that a lot of the video is either coming from inside of a building facing out so it's very grainy or very difficult to look at 
or we just can't make out exactly what's passing in front of the camera. So it's so important that, you know, unfortunately, you know, we may have missed some, some people that have surveillance equipment, that they review their own equipment for us, and, and if they see something of importance, that they contact the police, either by calling 911 or calling the tips line at 291-8633. After days of watching, the police finally got their first big lead. One of the cameras had picked up an image of a female cycling alone down a dark street. They confidently confirmed it was the missing Mickey, and any suspicions they had surrounding her friend Bretley quickly disappeared. Continuing to follow what would have been her route home, they managed to pick up more footage of her from several cameras. The clearest image so far was her passing a gas station several minutes later. Unbeknownst to them at the time, this particular image would become vital in the hunt for Mickey. But then, without warning, about half a mile later, she disappeared from the camera's view. The police determined they'd either missed her, or something more sinister had happened. The search was ramping up and moving quickly, and Bajar and his team knew that more answers lay within the CCTV footage. Uh, we still just need more volunteers and people talking about it. People who can't get out there and walk, you know, we understand not everybody is able to go on mile-long searches and things like that. If they want to come here and see if there's anything they can do to help, or at least just get online and email everyone they know. Upon going back through the tapes, the police noticed something new. A white pickup truck had been caught in several shops driving behind Mickey. It was clear whoever was driving the car could hold the key to unlocking the whole case. She was last seen on this surveillance video riding her bicycle home from a friend's house. Several vehicles were also observed in the same video and broadcast to the public as vehicles of interest. All of the vehicles were interest, of interest were ruled out except for a white Chevrolet Z71 pickup truck. On May 27th, almost 10 days after Mickey had gone missing and close to 30 miles away from where she had last been seen, fishermen at Whiskey Bay had stumbled upon a significant discovery. It was a bicycle, fitting the description of Mickey's. It had been found in a swampy, remote area of the river. The bike had some significant damage to it, which, if it was confirmed to be hers, would point towards her being potentially hit by a car. The police also reported to finding off-road tyre tracks near the location of the abandoned bike time marks that would be consistent with the truck seen on the footage. The police asked the Shunik family to see if they could identify the bike. They quickly confirmed it was Mickey's. With the tyre marks that were discovered so close to the location of the bike, Detective Bajar and his team continued to follow up on the white pickup truck. A lead came in from a sales associate at a car dealership, who reported to police that she had spoken to a man looking to purchase a new truck. He claimed his old one had been stolen and destroyed just a few weeks prior, she described him as agitated and nervous, saying he quickly hurried out of the dealership when a news clip showing Mickey was shown inside the office. Just a short while after this encounter was reported, a white Chevrolet Z71 pickup truck was found burned in San Jacinto County, Texas. The truck was a match for the one in question. Fortunately for the officers, the truck's license plates were perfectly clear. After running it through a database, they found it was registered to a Brandon Scott Laverne. Suspicions were further raised when it was confirmed that Laverne had checked himself into hospital with stab wounds just one day after Mickey had last been seen. But with no connection at all to Mickey, the police were baffled. When investigators looked further into Laverne and his background, a sinister past came to light. He was a convicted Tier 3 sex offender, the highest classification that can be given. He had previously served eight years in prison on charges of sexual battery and burglary. He had an addiction to using escort services and his ex-wife spoke of the violence in their relationship. 
saying that she was often hit and choked by him. The evidence against him was continuing to mount, and in early July 2012, a warrant for his arrest was issued. He was arrested on charges of aggravated kidnapping and first-degree murder. Also today, after weeks of searching for a missing Lafayette College student, police have made a break in the case. Lafayette police say a tip from a concerned citizen helped lead to an arrest in the Mickey Shunick case. Shunick has been missing since May, and now a man is in custody for her murder. Police have arrested 33-year-old Brandon Laverne on charges of kidnapping and first-degree murder. A month later, following a tip-off, human remains were discovered. News from WDSU. A Lafayette TV station is reporting that police have discovered human remains and the report indicates the body may be that of Mickey Shunick. The 21-year-old disappeared from Lafayette back in May. Now officials in that community have not made any statements about this discovery, but KLFY is reporting a body was found today in Evangeline Parish and police are on scene at an undisclosed location conducting a search that is related to the Shunick case. Using dental and medical records, it was later confirmed to be the body of Mickey Shunick. Bajar and his team wanted to hear the full story from Laverne himself. They met with the Shunick family to agree on a deal. Between the police and the family, they agreed that Laverne would not have to face the death penalty if he told them what had happened that night. With this plea in place, Laverne gave the police horrific details about what had happened in the early morning hours of the 19th of May, 2012. He told the police that as he had been driving, he had spotted Mickey cycling and ran into her, knocking her off her bike. He then forced her into the truck, where she instinctively pulled out her phone to call for help. We started arguing back and forth, and I started getting mad. And I guess that's when she kind of, I guess she started getting spooked, and she reached down to grab that, uh, the phone. And I, and I just, I panicked, and, I, and I, that's when I grabbed the knife, and I said, don't call the cops. I said, I ain't playing with you, so put down the phone. And she just kind of started, she was like staring at me. You know, she was like, you know, just, she made eye contact, and she was just staring at me. <sighs> you know. Mickey sprayed him in the face with some mace she was carrying, and grabbed his knife. And stabbed him several times. I started stabbing her, and I, I tried to stab her, I'm guessing maybe four or five times, and I caught myself, and I was like, I said, what, I, yeah, I like, man, what the f*** just happened? Believing she was dead, he drove the truck to a nearby field. It was in this moment that Mickey regained consciousness and stabbed him in the chest. I, I, I shot, I, I shot one time, you know, with the gun, I jumped out of the truck, and I was hollering, and I was like, I, I, I just, he disposed of the bloody clothing and drove to a secluded cemetery where he attempted to conceal her with branches and bits of wood. Following day, he dumped her bike and weapons he had used in the attack. What is clear from the injuries he sustained is that Mickey fought for her life with everything she had. The case would take another awful turn when Laverne pled guilty to not one, but two counts of murder. As well as Mickey Shunick, he was also found guilty of the murder of another Lafayette resident named Lisa Pate who had gone missing in June 1999. He had persuaded her to go out of town with him, and when Pate became scared and wanted to go home, he placed a bag over her head and suffocated her. He was handed two life sentences without the possibility of parole and is serving his time in Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola, Louisiana, where he remains in solitary confinement. He has filed several unsuccessful appeals and will most likely spend the rest of his life in prison. In 2015, a bike loop, aptly named Mickey's Loop, was built in her memory. The eight-mile route takes people through the city of Lafayette, a fitting tribute for Mickey Shunick. City Parish President Joey Durrell said, 
This really highlights what she loved and we're proud to honour her with this.